Hey cuties, welcome to Cup of Joy the podcast, created to jumpstart your joy, supersize your soul, and provide a sweet space for your own personal growth. I'm your host, Heidi B, certified food and body coach, life coach, personal trainer, and owner of Joyfully Be, where I'm obsessed with helping people win the food and body battle and reclaim their joy. I'll share with you stories of people who have shifted their junk to joy and struggles into celebrations to live a life that they love. Each episode is guaranteed to light and lift you up. Because on this show, we'll talk truth about topics that block us from living our best life, how to make your body your bestie, and tons of tasty tidbits to make your own cup of joy overflow. Believe it or not, I once lost my joy, but now it's back, and I'm here to help you find yours on the daily. As my mama bee always says, it's time to put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Ready to start? Let's jam. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm really excited to bring this incredible speaker to you today. I have Dr. Sean Horn with me. She is the shame-busting psychologist, and we're going to jam today on the topic of shame because she drew my attention in when she filled out her request form. She said, shame is horseshit. And I thought immediately, I got to have this girl on. We have to talk about this. But I want to give you guys a brief bio of Dr. Sean Horn because she has so many credentials. I just want to read them off to you so you can understand what a gem of a person we have on the other line here. So Dr. Sean Horn is a licensed psychologist, author, and inspirational speaker. In addition to her private practice in Spokane, Washington, she serves as faculty at the University of Washington's Medical School, Spokane's Psychiatric Residency Program. She provides clinical supervision and mentoring to medical providers, is a columnist for TOI Magazine, and also, you guys, she was on the cover of a magazine this year. She hosts Inspired Living podcast is a media consultant founder of instagram's the psychology directory host of youtube's digital practice and author of shame buster with over 27 years of experience in the mental health field she's now bringing the wisdom of therapy room to larger audiences her mission is to bust through shame ignite hope and inspire wholehearted living her motto is transform from the person you were programmed to be into the person you were designed to be. Hello, Sean. How are you? Thank you. Wow, that was a mouthful. (laughs) Hey, I I think people need to know what an epic human being you are. You have one heck of a story. You've been through so much. You've been in the industry for so long. And it truly, truly is a blessing to have you on today talking about this really important topic. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. So I really just want to dive in because we have so much to talk about and I want people to get the most out of this. And I think it's really important that we maybe just start at the very, very basic level of what is shame? I don't think people, people are talking about what it actually is. We kind of know that guttural feeling and that emotion, but what is shame? Let's break it down. Yes. Okay. So there's healthy shame and there's unhealthy shame. And healthy shame is we experience that when we make a mistake, we feel a conviction and we go, oh gosh, I shouldn't have done that. And we use that information to change our behavior. So healthy shame is focused on behavior change. Other words for it is guilt, conviction, uh, feeling sorry, feeling regretful. It's that, that 
internal nudge that tells you, ooh, don't do that, girlfriend. Like, wrong direction. You need to clean that up right now. So that is healthy shame. We want it. It helps us develop our consciousness, and we want to have that sensitivity and appropriate response to those situations. And it's helpful to us. It's our teacher. Unhealthy shame or toxic shame is the message that when you made a mistake, you didn't just make a mistake. You are a mistake. You're flawed. You're defective. You're unworthy. You're you're not likable. You're not lovable. You don't belong. You stand out. If people only knew, then you would not have the advantage. You wouldn't be chosen or selected. It's all of that message that there is something wrong with my identity. So toxic shame becomes a statement of one's identity versus healthy shame is a statement of behavior. So it's so important that we target toxic shame because what we find in shame psychology is that toxic shame is at the core of our emotional and behavioral struggles. When we go through things and we don't understand what's going on, we personalize it and we start to have this internal self-talk of what is wrong with me, what's wrong with my body, what's wrong with my mind, what's wrong with my associations, and, and then we go through life defending from this shame, trying to cover it up. We pursue shields to show the world, see, I am okay. Mm. And we have the shield of of having the right body or the right appearance or the right clothes or the right material possessions or associations or degree or career. These are our shields that we guard our our vulnerable self underneath that doesn't feel worthy. And then we also turn to our vices when the shame gets triggered and activated, we'll do all of our too much behaviors and we will get stuck in this loop where we do engage in our vices and then we go have a negative consequence and then we go, oh my gosh, see, there really is something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I, and then you get all back into that shame loop. So we really need to clean that up. A lot of people feel that shame is this really heavy um, thing, like associated with trauma, associated with crimes, or just those out-of-the-box type situations. But it really is an everyday occurrence. So other language for shame that most people don't associate, they're kind of the mass of shame, is perfectionism. Like when people say, oh, I'm such a perfectionist. That saying, I'm so stuck in shame. <laughs> you know, mm. uh, if I'm a workaholic, I'm obsessed with fitness. I'm obsessed with um, pursuing uh, whatever it is that they that they dive into. So these are other words that we'll use that are talking about the same thing. Oh, that was such a beautiful explanation. I've never been, um, I've never heard it explained in that way of healthy versus toxic. And I was just gonna ask you, so thanks for using additional words here, is do you think shame is a secondary emotion? Does it stem from other emotions or is it really the root of everything? That's a good question. That's talking about primary and secondary emotions. So primary is when you first feel some emotion that just, boom, it happens. Like if someone jumps around the corner and you, it scares you, you know, that's primary. Mm. Or you um, see someone get hurt and you immediately feel anger uh, to protect. It really happens before thought. And what happens with healthy shame is is maybe you do feel an immediate kind of uh that conviction you see someone's 
have a sad expression on their face and you're oh oh you know you kind of feel that hesitation this is an automatic response however when we build up a story around something we build up these belief systems these core beliefs about who i am who the world is then that activates the toxic shame mm. so let's say i go to a social event and i have been shamed for my body and um, let's say I had a parent who was very obsessed with uh, how I looked. And so I go to this event and somebody is admiring my dress and they look at me, you know, they look at my dress and I catch them looking at my dress. If I have a shame bound identity, then immediately that's gonna trigger, oh my gosh, I look fat. Mm. She does not like me. She is thinking I'm, I'm just gross and and then boom, here comes the head trip. And now here comes all the defensive behavior. And that is, that's how the toxic shame kind of, it gets triggered with our belief systems and our self-talk based on our history. Oh, that makes so much sense. And I, I, I can personally relate to the story that you just shared. I know that you're going to uh, share a couple of really general um, experiences that you've had in your own practice here related to shame. And I think it's really helpful because I can relate to that experience. I'm sure that many women can relate to that experience, especially in my food and body coaching. I have lots of women who I, I don't think they understand that they're judging themselves. They're making assumptions from the way that others are um, interacting with them, not realizing that it's coming from their own deep-rooted shame. Yes. So here's my here's my favorite way to say it. So mm. see if you can follow this, okay? What I think about me is not what I think about me. What I think about me is not what you think about me. What I think about me is what I think that you're thinking about me. Oh, wow. So it's such a delusion. We are living such a delusion. All these stories we build up in our mind about how people see us, what they're thinking about us, how they're feeling about us, all those things is a delusion. And shame is a liar. And it just grabs hold of our mind, and we believe it. One of the mistakes we make is we let feelings be facts and thoughts be truths. And we build up these theories and these hypotheses, but we forget to do the scientific method, which is to test it. Mm. And we don't realize that feelings aren't facts. Feelings are messengers giving us information of things we need to attend to, but they're not meant to define our reality. They can be misleading. And so I say behind a protest is a request and emotions are protesters. You know, nobody, nobody wants to be with me request. I need to have more time with friends. Mm. I know, but nobody loves me request. I want to find relationships where I feel genuinely loved. So we need to get to the request behind the protest of our emotions, but people will take those emotions literal and just we don't guard our mind and we need to guard our mind but it's so hard to do that when we don't know how to think we really need our parents and our our primary years to coach us on how to think about ourselves in the world and this this is how shame occurs is that as little people 
we look to our teachers and our our siblings and our community and our parents to tell us who we are we we don't have a concept of self we don't know how we're experienced so we look to them like these giant mirrors and we go who am i Am I lovable? Am I likable? Do I belong? Am I special? What's special about me? So we take these messages about who we are by what is said and not said, by how we're treated and not treated, by whether we were the last to be chosen for the sport during recess, mm. or if we the popular girls didn't include us. These are very defining moments in the psyche of a little child. And the child doesn't have the mental sophistication to realize that how you are treating me is more to do with you than it is to do with me. And when we have environments that are emotionally harming us and giving us toxic messages about who we are, we have to survive that. So the way we survive, is it's, it's impossible as a, for a little child to hold in their mind the reality that their environment is unable to provide safety for them. Mm. Psychological safety, physical safety. So if, if they sat with that reality, it would be a total state of terror. So the way that the child will compensate is to take responsibility for it. That my mom or my dad isn't really mistreating me, it's because I'm bad, that's why. So, and, and so we'll come up with these stories to have some sort of ownership over the trauma. Our brain does not like to have things we don't know. It doesn't like to be out of control. It doesn't like to have missing pieces. So when we experience that, it activates a lot of anxiety. So the way we will deceive ourselves to soothe our anxiety is to believe that we have a sense of control over a situation that we really don't. And the way we give ourselves that sense of control is to say we are the cause of the problem and we also need to be the solution to the problem. That is outside of us. That the truth is, we aren't the cause of that, and we can't control it. We can't control how people think, how they feel, how they behave. We can affect it, but we cannot control it. And so when people give us the message that it's your fault, that I'm thinking this because of you, I'm feeling this because of you, I'm doing this because of you, that is a lie. That is somebody who has been dysregulated, activated, for whatever, whatever is going on in their world, they may be shame-dumping on you because they can't tolerate their own shame. So they're handing it over to you so you have the shame. They don't have the skills to identify what they think. They don't have the skills to regulate what they feel. They don't have the skills to attend to what they need to attend to. So what they do is just shame and blame. Mm. And if we had a shame-bound history, we just own it. And in some ways, it gives us a sense that, oh, well, then I can make this better. If it's my fault, then I can make it better. And round and round you go in toxic relationships, toxic situations where you continue to tolerate intolerable things because of the deception of shame. Mm, that was so good. You guys, if you could see me, I'm just like salivating <laughs> at all of these beautiful facts and knowledge that she's sharing because I've heard I've heard some of these things before too in my food and body coaching it's all it's all bound because shame is such um, one of those core emotions that really drives everything that's happening in our internal state and we have to be willing to um, welcome that emotion in 
Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? And I think that this is part of the healing process, but how do we then, if we know where it comes from and we know how it came about and we're willing to understand and work through our shame, how do we actually cope and heal with it, from it? Yes, the how. Oh, the how. Oh, my gosh. Because I find (laughs) that there's a lot of information out there on why we're the way we are, but there's not a lot of specific step-by-steps of what do you do to correct the situation, Yes, which really involves a lot of reparenting of ourselves, of becoming our own best inner parent Mm. and taking that self-leadership. So I'll break that down, but I want to say one thing for you that when you were talking about the body coaching, that there is a shame-bound way and a shame-free way to approach body transformation. Mm. The shame-bound way says, I hate myself, I hate my body, I think there is something wrong with me. And so if I change my body, if I change my physical appearance, then I will like myself then people will love me. Okay, so that's shame bound. That's coming from a place of self, of of trying to go away from what you don't want. And it's a lot of self-judgment. The shame-free way is saying, because I value who I am, I value myself and love myself, I'm going to pursue health because I want to have the best quality of life. I want to have an energized mind. I want to have physical freedom. Mm. I like moving my body. I want to take care of it because it's it's valuable, it matters, and I'm now responsible to be a good steward of my own health and my own body. So I'm pursuing health out of a place of love. Mm-hmm. So think about it from, if you were a parent, it's like saying, I'm gonna change my kid because I don't like my kid, and if I change him, I might start liking them. Mm. Or, I love my child so much, I want to make sure my child has what they need to be the best version of who they are, to have all of the healthiest things in life that they can have. So we need to be the best inner parent to ourselves, and take our little inner child and really take care of her Mm. and say we need to make sure that you're eating the foods that your body needs the nutrition that you need that your brain needs you need to have glucose in your brain to to create neurons Mm. so that you can think so you can be creative and flexible and thought and be able to reach dreams if you're not getting the glucose you're not going to be able to absorb information you're not going to be able to to grow in that way in your mind you're going to get really um, stuck and frustrated so i just wanted to share that that twist to it yeah thank you so much because that is a heavy hitter in my own personal journey but then a lot of the people that are listening now have have and or are still struggling with their food and body. So that's such a beautiful way of describing um, the work that gets that gets to be done when we come at it from a place of hate versus a place of love. And it all goes back right. to intention time and time again. It's like, what's the intention behind doing anything in our lives, quite honestly? But that was a beautiful explanation. Thank you so yes. much. Because the principle is what we resist persists. So if you resist your weight, you're going to battle it for 30 years. Yep. But the second you step out of resistance and you step into moving towards what you want to create, 
that is a magical change that you will actually see transformation happen in your life that you couldn't accomplish when you were coming at it from a place of resistance. Mm. So a lot of people, when you say this, they go, well, I don't love myself. I don't like my body. I'm so angry with it. I, I've been battling this forever. And, you know, we get that. It's hard. It's hard to be in that battle. What we are confused about is what how love shows up in our life. Love is not a feeling that you need to have in order to step into love. Love is a choice. It's an action that we choose to have to move into that into our life. So think about all the people you have in your in your life that you love, family members that may annoy you, may irritate you, made you so angry. You might even feel like you hate them sometimes, but you love them. And what does that mean? That means you want what's best for them. That means that you guard your thoughts towards them. You guard your heart of, uh, towards them of not letting yourself grow bitterness and resentment. And you are wanting to see the best things unfold for them, to be kind, to be gracious, to be forgiving. You're not keeping a list of everything they've done wrong. You know, you're letting mm. yourselves have a new, a new day. Let's try again. So when we love ourselves, we're being we're embracing self-compassion, we're embracing self-kindness, we're embracing giving ourselves grace. We are saying, okay, it's a new day. Mm-hmm. My diagnosis does not define me. My story does not define me. My, how other people see me does not define me. I don't need to play out the stories that I have been given. Today is a new day, and I get to design the person I want to be. I have primary ingredients, which is maybe I'm an extrovert, maybe I'm a creative, maybe I'm an intellectual, but I am going to really free up the shame shackles, that horse shit of shame, (laughs) and I'm going to get it off of me, and I'm going to say, let me see what's possible. Let me really go on a search and rescue mission and really begin to learn who I am. So the first thing, you have to choose love. And that means that when you have those self-hate thoughts, when you have those negative thoughts that come in, you say, stop. I am no longer in agreement with this anymore. And I will not listen to the lies of you shame. And you and you just start doing that mental um, battle. So we've made agreements with shame. When shame said we're not worthy, we go, oh, yeah, I know. Mm. You know, we kind of agree with it. So we need to change those agreements. And when the shame says, who do you think you are? Say, get out, shame get out. Mm. I am perfect just the way I am. I am perfectly imperfect. So in order for us to really embrace that agreement, we're, it, shame's going to fight us. Inside it's going to go, who do you think you're kidding? They don't really know you. This is impossible. You've never been able to do this before and so forth. So it's going to really battle as we evict it out of our spirit, out of our soul, so to speak, and say, no, I am claiming my value and my worth. Mm. A lot of people say, well, how do I know I'm worthy? And I say, well, look at what happens when a baby is born around the world. It's universal for people to, when the baby comes out, they have delight, they have joy. Oh my gosh, the baby's born. And there's this automatic sense of preciousness, of value. But the reality is this baby is slimy and bloody and gross and stinky (laughs) and peeing and pooping everywhere and keeping you up all night. 
but yet you, it, it's not like we sit there and say, well, let's wait and see how this one shows up before mm. I decide to love this one. We just love it. So we have to have unconditional love for ourselves. And shame tells us that we are alone in our struggle. So the other important step to heal shame is to really begin to learn what it really means to be human. And what I tell my clients all the time is that people struggle in one of three areas at any given time. They struggle in finances, health, relationships. Mm -hmm. And it can be a combination of all of them. Every single person. So what we do when we're shame bound and, and in general is that we compare our insides to other people's outside. Mm. And then we build up a story about what their life is like and who we are in relationship to that story. Mm. So, oh, they have this, this um, physical thing that I admire or this material thing I admire or this advantage in life that I admire, and I don't. So I'm less than, they're better than, I can't be part of their world, whatever it is. And then we act accordingly, and it reinforces that belief. So we have to take those stories and just drop them and say, all right, I don't know. I don't know who these people are. I don't know what's happening behind closed doors. As a psychologist, I have been just completely, I wish everyone could see the view I have because how people present and what is really going on in their life is so different most of the time. You would have no idea, you would have no idea that they were struggling with something mm -hmm. that they were struggling with. And, but it's true. It doesn't matter how well they present in the world. Shame is motivated to do appearance management. When we're shame free, mm. we do problem management. But when we're shame bound, we do appearance management. Don't let them know. Don't let them see. And But problem management is like, yeah, I need to let them know because I need help. And I have to be vulnerable to transform this. And you, you are courageous enough to keep going through all the failures, all the struggles, all the fears, you keep going. You know when people say failure is not an option? What we should really say is quitting is not an option. Mm, yes. We know that failure helps our brain to grow. It actually helps us build neural connections. We It helps us to learn and improve. So we do want to fail, actually. But if we don't know how to do something, we need to reach out and get the help to to understand what to do so that's the other shame bound struggle is that people feel like i don't know what it means to be human and i should know how to do this so we have unrealistic expectations to be skilled in areas that we haven't learned skills yet or we haven't practiced it long enough to master it so this is where we want to be patient with ourselves and say well i have been trying to fix this for so many years and I'm still struggling well okay I must not know whatever it is that I need to know so I'm going to go and get the solutions that I need I'm going to reach out and get the coach the therapist the doctor I'm gonna figure it out and then I will begin to be equipped and then I will practice so I can master so we need skills, mm. we need tools, and we don't know what we don't know. Yes. And so a lot of times we rely on our own understanding and our own intellectual knowledge, and we just have to know that we just don't know what we need to know. So 
go out there and reach out for supports, figure out how other people are doing it. How are they successful? You know, you and I are both bliss sisters, which is so exciting. <laughs> and I love what Lori Harder said at um, a bliss. I don't know if it was a couple years ago, but she said, instead of being jealous of somebody, be inspired, yes. be inspired by them. And the idea is that if you see someone that is living the life that you want or having the opportunity you want, lean into them and learn how is it possible? What are they doing? How are they thinking? How are they managing this? And begin to let that be a teacher to you rather than the shame-bound mindset of, oh, they have it, I don't. I can't have that success because they do. And getting all into that envy and jealousy and so forth. Instead, just grow and, mm -hmm. and build your community with people who will support this growth and so, and love you unconditionally, support you unconditionally, and really be that inspiration for you. I love that you shared about the, I call it the A-roll and the B-roll. So B-roll, you know, from being in the industry, you have a, a past of kind of being in that industry and that, that limelight of living in LA, all that stuff. The, the, the A-roll, I don't know if it's called A-roll, but um, the used footage is that shiny, glossy, beautiful, polished product. And so often we put those, that product, that A-roll, that, that finished product on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, even just being out in public in groups of people, we put on that game face and show yes. that version of us, right? And then we shove the shame down. And what we don't see, which is why it's so important and which is why I wanted to have you on this podcast, is we need to normalize shame. That most of us are feeling it, are trying to process it, need to seek out support on this one and so many other deep-rooted issues because this is normal. This is yes. normal. There's nothing wrong with you for feeling this emotion. That's right. And you don't have to sit with it. So no one is sharing their B-roll. And on this podcast, I want to share the B-roll. And so yes. many people do. They show up and they show their B-roll. And it helps everybody else who's listening go, oh, okay, that is okay to be like this. And there is a solution to move over into the version of myself that I actually desire to be. And I love what you said also in the sense of, can you talk a little bit about, we talk about normalizing this and yes. knowing that there's a place to seek and grow through coaching, through mentors, through social engagements like you and I went to at conferences and growth opportunities. So there's lots of different ways we can go about this to yes. scratch the surface or take the deep dive wherever you're at in your journey. But there is, in my opinion, you might differ here. There is a little bit of shame that comes along with taking the leap to ask for help, to get help, to see a psychologist, to get the coach, to go to the thing. There's something wrong with me. So how do we reach out for help on this really necessary topic of shame when we right. have shame reaching out? Yes. And the principle here is we want to guide our feelings instead of follow our feelings. Mm. So even if we feel nervous, ignore it, do it anyways. Just, you know, bite that bullet and do it. We, and we also need to get out of the destination mindset of I'll go to therapy, I'll learn this, and it will mm. be done. I will accomplish this, and it will be healed, and it will be done. It's a process. Life is about process. Mm. It's not about a destination. And 
I teach my clients this skill where I say, take a timeline from birth till now, every thought you've ever had, every feeling you've ever had, put it on this timeline. Now connect it, and now we have a conveyor belt. And this conveyor belt is flowing in our mind, and it brings those thoughts to us. It brings those feelings to us. And some belts are moving every hour, some once a a week, some once a year, some once every 10 years. And what happens is they come to therapy and they go, look what's on my belt. And they take it off and they dump the box and we look at it and we organize it. We organize the thoughts and the feelings and the story. We put it back and they go, oh, I feel so much better. You're the best. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you. And (laughs) off they go. And then something triggers it. And all of a sudden they go, what? Oh my gosh. And they come back. It's on my belt. It shouldn't be. I should be over this. I should have healed from this. I've processed this. I've talked about it. And what I say is that it's, we don't want to be alarmed that it came back around. Mm. If we have thought it, if we have felt it, if we've experienced it, it's going to come back around. So instead of reacting to it, resisting it, or obsessing on it, or thinking about ruminating it, rehearsing the memory, or yeah, that memory, we want to let it just flow. This is a mindfulness skill that I teach. Let it flow in the mind and out the mind. You acknowledge it. I acknowledge this. I'm remembering this. My history is talking to me right now. Mm. This is coming to visit me right now and let it flow and really bring your focus back to the here and now. There's all sorts of skills that we can use to manage our thought life. But often we will feel like I've worked on this. I'm so healthy now. (laughs) And then something happens that just blindsides us and all of a sudden a new shame topic pops up and we go what and I I have found that to be true for me that as I've stretched myself in the last two years I have had a lot of shame being triggered that I did not anticipate and I was like whoa what is this it just kind of showed up but the way I think about it is it's like a seed that was planted in your heart a weed that we need to pull out and go, okay, thanks for letting me know. I'm going to heal this now. So that's that concept that triggers are just showing us what now we need to heal or nurture or support ourselves through rather than it being like, okay, I've done this work. I'm now this um, successful person. I'm now a role model. I'm a guru. I'm a healer. I'm a light worker. Look at me. You know, and, and then you go and you do not feel like a light worker today. You feel like you're throwing you know, fireballs out there. And so it's, it, that's normal. It's human. So instead, we want to just equip ourselves with things to do when those moments come up. And I, I have known for myself, I shared with you in our, in our pre-show that through four years ago, I had a significant trauma that happened to my family. And I did my best to just keep it afloat. Mm. But it got to a point where I couldn't and I needed help. Mm. And so I decided I was going to reach out to a therapist. But our community here in Spokane is small and I've had a lot of leadership in this community. So I thought, who am I going to see? And half of the people I wouldn't see anyways, I look at them, I'm like, how do you even get clients? You guys are so (laughs) different. (laughs) You know, so I'm like, oh, who am I going to see? But I found someone and when I called her, my hands got so sweaty my heart was pounding so hard and I was like what is this like I'm an advocate for mental health I've always told people it feels like going to the spa you know you do your yoga class you 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 have your therapist and it's so wonderful but it did not feel wonderful in that moment and 
I really had to walk through that, and I was really glad that I did. And every time I go to these women conferences, I will have triggers. Something will come up, and it's like, wow, okay, that's there, and I need to support myself through it. So I definitely have the physiological reactions, but it's you are more supportive with them rather than being angry with it and reinforcing the shame message that, oh, what is wrong with me that I'm still battling this and struggling with this? Yeah, I, I, I really, I'm in a similar situation right now where I'm working with all these women, a, a real nice group of women, and they, it's really a five-month journey, to be quite honest. The work that I do in food and body coaching, it really is, it's actually more like a 12-month journey and beyond, but we com- right. com- compact it into five months because a year sounds really long for a lot of people. So we compact this healing, this transformation process into five months. Well, it's really interesting because we get six weeks in and the expectations for transformation are so high that six weeks in, they're like, wait, why am I still having these issues? Why am I still battling this thing? And the, the, real, the realization is that we're just six weeks in of decades of shame, yes. decades right. of blame, decades of emotionality that's gone unhealed. So we've got to be patient with the process, but the beautiful thing of of the transformation journey, and I know that you have this probably with your clients too, is we're really trying to teach the tools for sustainable long-term transformation, lifelong transformation. When I can share with you the knowledge, the tools, and the body integration of shifting those stories and those feelings and that relationship to shame, that relationship to blame, that relationship to fear, when I can teach you how to shift internally, then when we're done working together, you have this beautiful toolbox. I call it the transformation toolbox. Now you carry the toolbox. I'll always be here if you need an electrician who's got you know a little bit of fine tuning to, to help you get something that you can't quite reach, right? But you've got the core of the toolbox because it's always going to pop up. We're going to heal and then something's going to pop up and we just need to get the wrench out and tighten up the screw, right? We can do that. But if we don't learn how to actually access the toolbox to take with us, transformation doesn't actually happen. We just reach externally for these quick fixes outside of ourselves over and over and over again. So our coaches, our mentors, our therapists, our psychologists, these conferences that get us in the energy of moving through and giving us the tools to process are so valuable because our parents only did the best that they could do. And I guarantee you, we're on the cutting edge of this wellness, worldly wellness transformation. Yoga used to be this thing that nobody talked about. And now so many people are understanding the true value of mindfulness, right? So now through the discussions like this where we can normalize shame, we can normalize these issues that we're going through, people can go, oh, I mean, I'm used to just going to my trainer and going on diets and going on, you know, trying to go on dating sites and whatever to put a Band-Aid on the root emotional cause of shame and all these other emotions. But now there's there's people out there that will actually help me understand what I'm going through for the rest of my life. This yes. is incredible work. 
That, that is the core is that we want to equip people with what they need to get through the storms of life, to get through to the other side, to excel. It's not about fixing that problem. Mm. One of the myths I've encountered on social media is a lot of people say, um, like, psychologists don't help you build the life you want. They're all staying in the past. But this is not true. Mm. Well, at least for me, I will look at the historical stuff to see what was the programming. But then we do equip people with the skills so that they can live intentionally and purposely and build meaning in their life. Mm. But we need to have tools and so many levels to do that. Like when people have a sense of urgency, that often comes from a place of shame. Like I have to get rid of this because I'm not okay without it. And if they are having these expectations for a changed body and they're distressed, that's also an out, um, a symptom of that shame place. So if we change our mindset towards building the health and knowing that it is a process and it will take time. But the other thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is the biological components mm. that may be playing a role. Like someone may not have enough of um, tyrosine in their diet and tyrosine we need to uh, create all the neurotransmitters in our brain that we need to manage our hunger and our fullness, your hormones and chemicals yeah. to tell us what we need and what we don't need. If you don't have enough dopamine and norepinephrine, which tyrosine builds, so we need tyrosine to, to create dopamine and norepinephrine. If we don't have enough of that, then our body, because it's so amazing, will manage that by getting immediate sources for it so it will go towards the carbs and the sugars because it doesn't have what it needs to manage um to have the right chemicals in the brain so this is where science can really fill in a lot of our struggles like one of the things that i'm i'm talking on right now is the neuroscience of shame that when we are on social media our brain is wired to read certain information to know we are safe and we're okay and when I walk in a room and I encounter you, my brain is reading your smells, it's reading your energy, it's reading your body language, and that tells my brain that, oh, good, we're okay. But what happens with electronic communication is we are not offered that information. Our brain isn't offered the, the smells and the mm. energy reads and all of the things we sense beyond our five senses. And so what it does then is it activates our fight and flight system, it increases our cortisol, which we need dopamine, we need the feel good chemicals to manage cortisol. So now we're deficient in the feel good chemicals. Our brain is telling us we're in danger. So then we look deeper and we, and we start comparing because we're trying to grab hold of information that says I am okay. This is automatic. And the stigma of shame says if you have shame, it's because of your parents, it's because of your history, it's because you think you're flawed. But we can also have shame as a biological response from the survival brain when we're not given the information we need. Because we will automatically, when we feel in danger, we pull back and we pull down and that evokes a shame response. Like I'm, I'm not okay, I'm not, something's wrong here. And then we personalize it because we don't, our brain wants to manage it. So there are a lot of things that happen neurologically, chemically, 
uh, health-wise that is running the show. Mm. And we want to guard from personalizing everything as a reflection of an insecurity or a wound or something wrong with us, but really be open to figuring this out. If someone is really struggling converting their health, then they need to see a doctor and find out how's your thyroid, how's your blood sugar, um, get some genetic testing, see if you have um, some genetic mutations that be, could be contributing to your struggle of releasing weight. There's lots of those components, which I could talk to at another time, but that would be like a whole other thing. Oh, yeah. I was but, just going to say we could totally nerd out, but that's going to be another hour session. So yeah, I'm obviously going to have to have you back on this podcast because <laughs> – I love everything that we have talked about today. I know this this is such a value to the listeners that, you know, all the different steps that you shared of moving through toxic shame and the difference yes. between the healthy shame and the toxic shame. I yes. know that I am just, if you could see my eyes right now, you guys, I'm just like yeah. <laughs> listening so intently to everything you're saying. So thank you so for... Let's just yeah. summarize those steps real yeah. quick. So like know that it's a choice self-love is a choice we have to really learn what the human condition is we need to unglue ourselves from the story of who we are and who others are and equip yourself with what you don't know and each helper will have their own tool but there's more tools so continue to learn know it's a journey it's not a destination it's normal to get triggered regardless of where you are in life Mm. and this is this is all part of the process. And and don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. Mm. You, you read my bio in the beginning of the show. And what, when I do keynote speech, speeches, one that I talk about is that I was misdiagnosed in first grade and placed in special education. Mm. So I was unschooled until college. Wow. I didn't read a novel until I went to college. And I was told I was stupid my whole life. Yeah. I was told I can't do math. I was told I can't read, that I can't go to school. And here I am as a professor at a medical school and doing all that I'm doing. People would not have guessed that. They would not guess no. that they're, that my grammar I learned by default, not because I can tell you how grammar works. <laughs> and I'm a writer. So it's just, it, it's mind-blowing when you hear people's stories and you just would be shocked because that's how it works. Mm. Nobody would guess what your story is. Everybody, everybody has a story. And isn't it fascinating that people actually want to hear the true you story? The more that I've gotten into self-development and the coaching practice and meeting all of these incredible human beings that are in the industry and my clients, every single one of them is such an epic human. And my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the process is the beginning process of understanding your true you, your true story, all the messiness, all the craziness, all of it. It's fascinating to listen to somebody who's willing to be vulnerable, hear their story, and then look at them at what you see on the outside and just be in awe of all that they, all that their story entails, all that their journey holds. It's incredible. And when I started talking about the special ed, it was after I got my faculty position and I was really nervous and shame came up, you know, are people going to think I'm not smart? Are they now going to read my things differently? And I just had to release it. 
I just had to release it say it doesn't matter people need to hear this I need to talk about it it's part of the story and it's here for a purpose so we need to turn our pain into purpose yes our mess into a message and know that it has value and let life be your teacher not your punisher and free yourself up unicorns free yourself up so we are unicorns in a donkey world and we need to know that's all horseshit and you are beautiful the way you are so shine and do you boo oh yes (laughs) ladies and gentlemen the shame busting psychologist Dr. Sean Horn. She's amazing. I'm so glad that we had this time together today. I I know we're going to have to have a follow-up after this, and I look forward to seeing you in in sunny... uh, Where are we going? Marina Del Rey in a couple of weeks for the Bliss Project. Um, It's such such a beautiful thing. So I'm going to put everything in the show notes, but just a quick little spit. Where can they find you? Where should they be following you? What should they be listening to? So... My handle everywhere is the same. It's Dr. Sean Horn, so D-R-S-H-A-W-N, Horn. And I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, and my podcast is Inspired Living. My website is drshawnhorn.com. I am going to be offering some webinars to heal shame and equip people with what they need, so make sure they sign up on my email list so they can get the announcements when those come out. And then we can start doing this thing. Oh, beautiful. You guys, I'm going to go sign up. So I think everybody else here should. She is absolutely incredible. And I just met her this morning. And now I'm just like, I want this woman in my life more. So amazing. I have two closing questions I actually ask all of my listeners. And the first one is, what do you love most about yourself? I love my enthusiastic spirit. I, I like that playfulness that I have. My humor, my playfulness, I, I, I enjoy that. Uh, I love that too. And uh, you guys, I just have to share a quick story. I get on this call, this beautiful human's on the other side. I can feel her loving light and energy and just pure authenticity. I mean, you really are that piece of, of love and light. And she had picked out a coffee cup because this is Cup of Joy, the podcast. So she had picked out her coffee cup and what does it say what did it say she picked it, says, it out for you me are my sunshine with a bumblebee flying through and the sunshine is yellow she has a coffee cup collection and she she shares these beautiful different coffee mugs to base based on who her visitors are and so thank you for picking a coffee mug for me i gave her in return yes. my my joy mug i have a joy mug so beautiful oh, shares it. today thank you so much for that and the last question is what does joy feel like joy it feels peaceful it feels light it feels spiritual Mm. it feels like being for me being in union and alignment with the holy spirit that's how joy feels oh my gosh i feel that in my float like a feather (sighs) floating into a rainbow (laughs) so beautiful so beautiful thank you so much for that Thank you for all of the gifts you've offered today. You're such a beautiful human being. And I cannot wait to share this message with the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message question or share your own junk to joy story with me remember that joy is contagious you can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz aka a review on apple podcast 
To learn more about Cup of Joy the podcast and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon.